Welcome to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast, a show helping you find better ways to live, run, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. The website for the show is paleorunner.org. Follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. The sponsor for the show is 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates. It's made from coconut, grass-fed whey protein, and a slow-releasing starch. To get 10% off your order, go to 3Fuel.com and use the promo code 3FOLSON. My guest today is Brian McKenzie. Brian is an ultra runner, author, entrepreneur, and founder of CrossFit Endurance. He's a, he has a strength and conditioning program that complements running and helps to make you a faster runner with less injuries. His latest book is called Unbreakable Runner. Unleash the power and strength of, of strength and conditioning for a lifetime of running strong. Brian, this is your third time back. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me again, Aaron. I appreciate it. Yeah, Brian, um, I've been starting out these interviews lately, trying to get into a little bit of people's personal lives, and I'd like to hear what you ate for breakfast or what you had to eat today so far. <laughs> had a little coffee with um, some butter and uh, MCT oil. Um, and then, uh, I did a little bit of a smoothie that was like a three fuel kind of like, uh, combination with some greens and stuff. Um, and then, uh, I've already, I worked out, I, I, I work out sometimes I've been recently working out typically between about six and seven thirty in the morning. Um, and I'll kind of muster some people or I'll head up to Malibu and do some training up there. Cause I've, I've been doing a lot of stuff with Laird Hamilton, but, uh, it, it just the day kind of starts really early for me now. So I get up around five, get that done, banged out. I, I typically just will do a smoothie or a coffee with some fat in it. Um, and then from there, uh, I had a, I don't know, I had a burger or something that had, uh, <laughs> had like kind of a Cubano sandwich layered on top of it, but no bread. So okay. I had lettuce around it. <laughs> nice. So that's what I've had today. <laughs> okay. So are you pretty low carb then? Yeah. Yeah, for for the majority, yeah. Um, I I don't avoid carbs. I I use carbs. I am severely uh, insulin sensitive, so when I have like sugar or things like that, there's a big big rush and a big big crash. Mm. Okay. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. How would someone know? Because you talk about diet in the book, Unbreakable Runner. How would someone know if they're sensitive to insulin? You just feel like you're going to fall asleep or, or what is it? Yeah, it's that, that, that you, you feel almost like you get hypoglycemic if you, and if you don't understand that, that's almost like a lightheaded feeling, a feeling of, uh, like getting dizzy, things like that. Like you're crashing. Um, you know, it's just, and, and that's not necessarily like feeling like insulin sensitive. That just means you're actually crashing off of the sugar. Your body is absorbing all of that stuff really, really quickly. Um, so my, my body's pretty adapted to eating pretty low carb or, you know, in essence, it's not even necessarily low carb. It's just like I, my carbs have a lot of fiber attached to them. Hmm. So it kind of wipes out that whole process of, uh, you know, just eating carbs, you know? Gotcha. Um, gotcha. so when I do introduce sugar and stuff, which I typically actually do once a week, um, I'll, I'll, I'll like kind of, I, I wouldn't say binge, but, uh, we, we get pretty nasty for, I don't know, like a half a day or even a day sometimes. 
um, and and just get right back on it after that day. Um, and that's only just to kind of keep this, keep it in the system and, and not make it to, uh, so where stuff like that becomes a, an absurd shock. Okay. And so who does most of the cooking, you or Aaron Cafaro? Uh, I'd say it's pretty even. Okay. Pretty even. Um, I, I, I like to cook, but, um, I mean, had I, had I, I always tell people that I'm close to had that, had, had I not, um, gotten into fitness and gotten into running and all this stuff. Uh, I, I definitely would have pursued a culinary, um, the, the culinary arts, um, as I had, that was my second passion. Okay. Okay. So does Aaron pretty much follow the same diet as you do? Oh yeah. She's mm-hmm. probably, uh, she, although she doesn't, uh, typically go get nasty once a week. She just keeps it clean all the time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's let's dive into your book a little bit more. What what's the main theme of the book, and and why did you feel like you needed to put out an, another book? You just released um, a book last year on running. <laughs> what's what's different about this? Um, you, you know, I mean, power, speed, endurance is is an incredible manual. Um, I, and, I, and I'm still very very proud of it. Um, um although there's there's a lot of revisional stuff that I'd like to do, or even add twos I'd like to do. Um, that's more of the skill-based deal, which is why it's, you know, the, the, the second title is skill-based approach to endurance training where, where this book is literally an examination of the science application and historical context of why, of how, and, and what we're, what we've been doing. Um, so th- this would have just added another, you know, year and a half to that book. Um, and TJ, uh, Murphy being my, um, my, my, my partner on this one was the perfect individual to write this thing. Um, because he was absolutely where I've been. He's been where most, where, where, not most, but a lot of people, uh, sit because they don't understand what it is we're doing. So they kind of take with what we're doing. Um, I, I don't want to say personally, but like they, they look threatened by it. And they're like, no, there's no way you can go do this. Or this is bullshit. Or Brian's never even finished a run after, you know, 2007 or something, you know? And it's like, (laughs) like this has never been based on me. And this has never been based on my performance, even though my performance is all changed as a result of this stuff. You know, I I've been a coach for 15 years, you know, and that that's been the, 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 the the whole process has been through the athletes and, and the actual success of the program. And, you know, I mean, we have roughly 7,000 plus people a day who still come to that CrossFit endurance site and are plucking program off of it. So, um, that said, it's uh, that, that that's why we wrote it, and 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 having somebody's perspective who actually did not get along with me at first and took a lot of this stuff as a threat, then actually started implementing a lot of it and and seeing, whoa, that there's a whole other side to this stuff, and you know, TJ was a pretty busted up dude. Um, and you know, the fact is, is I was just sitting with a uh, a PT friend of mine, and he was like, you know. The first time I really understood CrossFit was when I was when I watched TJ Murphy do a squat workout, and I was like, "Really? How's that?" And uh, he said, "You know, he uh, he doesn't have the best looking squat in the world. Um, he's been a lifelong runner, but he was somebody who wanted to understand all this stuff that you guys are doing." And he literally came in and started squatting, and he got just below parallel, 
but he understood his range of motion and he came up and he did five sets of five, but on the last set that he had, he only got three reps before he started, started to fault, really faulting pretty bad. And he goes, all of his squats all up until the end looked pretty good. And we, he came up, racked the bar un, took off his weight and went home. And he understood exactly the principles of what it was we were doing. And he goes, and that was the moment I understood what you guys were doing. You know, and, and us being, you know, guys like Kelly and I, um, who've been kind of preaching this stuff for quite a while. Right. And, and you say in the book that you can get a lot of the same benefits um, out of, say, going for a really long run by including some of these high-intensity strength training, circuit tra- training type of workouts. Um Take a take a guy like me. I'm I'm doing a low volume approach, but I've never really gotten into the the strength and conditioning much. How long uh-huh. would it take for me to see results from something like this? I'm, oh. you, know, you know, I mean, is it something that I'll be able to measure right away, or what's going? Oh, to I, I would say a three week period. But you know, I mean, the thing is, Aaron, is it's like you, you, it, it's not like you need to do a rush job into getting into where we're what we're talking about with people. I think that's uh, that scares a lot of people. Where it's like, look, you know, I mean, we have runners and we have, I mean, hell, dude, I've got some professional rowers that live out here in Newport with us now, and they are almost full-blown CrossFitters at this point, too. Like, they're, you know, they're CrossFitting somewhere between three and four or, you know, on occasion five times a week. But the fact is, is it's taken them nine months to get to this place to where they are bulletproof, you know, um, and, and, and we've done the same thing with a lot of our runners. Um, you know, where they become monsters. Um, and, and that's not necessarily the goal right away. The goal right away is to get you moving properly and, get, and, and using functional movement, which just so happens to be like squatting, deadlifting, pressing, because these are all things that you do all day long, whether you like that or not. And it takes your joints through full range of motion, your primary joints, which tend, which are your hips and your shoulders. And if you're not doing that stuff, if you're not stimulating your stuff, this is why you're, you inevitably end up ruining yourself as we get older. And is this going to help me get faster as well? Or is it just going to keep me injury free? Absolutely. Well, I mean, they just released a study on, uh, I can't remember the journal, but they just put it out. I actually put it out on my Twitter feed of, of they, they, uh, they were studying a Danish rower for, uh, for the last 21 years. And they found that this dude literally has, has defied everything they understand about heart rate and physiology and training. You're supposed to get worse as you age and this dude's physiology, he still holds max heart rate, still holds his lactate threshold, still can hold peak performance uh, times. Um, he's a multiple-time Olympian, etc. And and the and the and the one key, the big key factor in the whole thing has been intensity. Hmm. And you know we can run intense all we want, which is great, and and you can do. And we've actually had people who've just followed the intensity and 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 the program without doing the strength and conditioning and have been very successful. But the fact is, is the strength and conditioning stuff is what's going to actually keep you moving and, 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 and giving you more longevity to things. And we're not, we're not talking about making you a bodybuilder or a powerlifter or even a CrossFitter for that matter. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I love CrossFit. I, I see CrossFit as a, is probably the greatest tool, um, in exposing an athlete's weakness that's ever been created. But I am a sport 
specific guy. I'm a traditional kind of sports guy. I like to run. I like to mountain bike. I love to surf. I mean, my big thing now is like, if I can spend more time surfing, that is exactly what I'm going to do. And the, it, what, what's giving me the ability to do that in, in, a, in a like blink of an eye, if there's a swell and go paddle for three or four days at eight hours or six hours a clip is, you know, you just can't go do that if you're not training and you're not doing things. And CrossFit's largely giving me that ability. Okay. Okay. So what, tell me a little bit about what you're actually doing lately. Are you still running? Are, what are you doing for your workouts? I probably run once a week. I don't run all that much. Um, I ride my bike more, my mountain bike. I, I, I've been kind of, I don't know what it is with adrenaline. Um, I just turned 40 and I have been pushing things like on, on the adrenaline side far more. Not that you can't do that with running, but, um, but the mountain biking thing and going faster, downhill skateboarding, riding bigger waves, you know, um, being involved with guys like Laird Hamilton. I'm not, I'm not right riding waves with Laird quite yet. But, uh, you know, I mean, I've been ha- hanging out with guys like Kai Borg and, you know, the surf community, training guys like Dusty, uh, Dusty Payne, Zeke Lau, um, Jamie Mitchell, who's a big wave surfer. I've worked with this entire last year. Um, you know, these guys all are pushing limits. And all of a sudden, I find myself in this camp where it's like I'm, I'm doing things that are like really pushing my adrenaline and they're making me feel a lot better than a lot of other things I've been doing. And, and that's, that's essentially why we train the way we do, which is exactly the way this program's written. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I'm not necessarily following it, the elite program because I don't one have time for that. And two, don't know that I could keep up with that. Um, but I'm more between the beginner and intermediate side of things on, on most days. Mm. You know, Brian, we have two different camps, it seems like. You know, you've got the, the camp, you've got like Phil Maffetone, you've got um, uh, Fitzgerald, who are still in this high mileage camp. Why is it that there's still so much disagreement? Has there not been enough studies yet? I mean, your book seems to present a lot of evidence, but why is there still so much? It seems uh, disagreement. Uh, fear, I think. Um, uh, Matt's actually written, I, I think Matt's written more books that Connor count contradict his last book. And, and I don't mean this and necessarily like I'm trying to attack Matt. Matt has written a lot of books. Okay. And one book will say one thing. The next book will, will, will basically say the opposite of it. Um, you know, I, I don't know that Matt actually even works with athletes or trains athletes. Um, sticking to studies is not going to get you anything, any understanding of anything better than you could with getting the experience of actually training an athlete or going through these things yourself. Um, and I don't know that necessarily any of the, any of these people are actually doing that to sit on the sidelines and judge something almost like TJ Murphy did from the beginning and say, Oh, this doesn't work. High mileage is the only way to go is is bullshit because the only people who can really handle high mileage are elite level runners. Everybody else is sloppily coming in at four and a half hours, four hours plus on a marathon. That's not that's that's there's a huge difference between running a sub three hour marathon and running. And I'm just using marathon as an example here. You could use a 5K if you wanted. But, you know, the fact is, is you know, the the difference between running a sub three-hour marathon and running a four-plus-hour marathon is night and day. Mm -hmm. And I think trying to put people into a category who cannot skillfully run, which is the big, big thing here, okay, 
is that people think they understand how to run just because they go out and lace up their shoes and can slog out 10 miles. No, that's not necessarily running. That's just slogging out 10 miles in what's been deemed, I guess, jogging. And to, so, so to take that up to somebody who's actually running, which is roughly below 330 marathon, 345 marathon time, and we start to see those things get faster and faster, which is like where in the 80s we had average marathon times around 330. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's just a huge difference and people don't want to let go of the elite status quo. And the only people who are handling high mileage are elite runners. And guess how many elite runners are there? Right, right. I mean, who has time to recover like that? Get the massages yeah. and things like that. You know, um, there's- oh yeah, you're working. Not, you're working eight hours a day. Good luck with that. We'll right. see how long your career lasts. What two, three, four years? Right. And you actually used to do the high mileage thing, and so did TJ. Tell me a little bit about how you changed his mind. I, I I was a high mileage guy. I was a high volume guy. I would do five, six hour runs on Saturdays and, and do hundred mile bike rides on Sunday. So I'd do roughly another five or six hours on the bike on Sunday. It wasn't that I didn't love to go long. I did. And I was challenged via the same way I challenged TJ. TJ said he wanted to write the article in place of somebody else who wrote an article about us that he shut down. And I told him the only way I'm going to do an interview or put give you information on this is if A, you attend a seminar and B, go through at least three months of this program. And when he hobbled into the seminar, I, I, I wouldn't let him participate in the drills because I was afraid he was going to get busted up. So two, I sent him up to Starrett. So he had to go see Kelly Starrett and get cleaned up and get a program set, basically what he wrote with Kelly Kelly was, you know, ready to run. Um, so he had to literally go through this process before he could even start the skill work of what, what it is we were going to do and the training program. And when he finally got around to being able to do that stuff, his world started to open up. He, he was somebody who couldn't run. He was somebody who was so broken he could barely get out of bed. You know, um, how many runners do I know that I have seen go through that, including myself? And there, although you may not be going through that yourself, if that is something that is going to happen or is happening or if you're experiencing pain when you actually do run, that's a quick telltale sign that something's not working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you talk in the book a lot about skill training and about proper tech running technique. You know, there's, there's part of this idea in my mind, uh, uh, with the paleo running type thing is that, uh, humans are just another animal and you don't te- tell a deer how to run. You don't tell an ostrich how to run. Nope. So why do you tell a human how to run? Why do well, we, why do we need to go through all this technique and training? It's interesting. I, and I've, uh, there was a time I would not have been able to answer that question. And that, uh, since I have done enough research on my own to pay attention to things, um, I have two dogs that I run can, all the time. Um, and they are obsessed with balls and swimming and chasing a ball. So with running, um, and they won't stop with that obsession. And I have one, – one of my dogs has torn an ACL. The other one, if she continues to, to run and chase things, will, and will take herself to the limit of hurting her, her own front leg. Now, 
what we see in nature is totally opposite. If you go watch a cheetah, a cheetah doesn't go run and until it, 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 to the point of being OCD or even a lion doesn't run to the point of being OCD, nor will a water buffalo or any other animal for that matter. They only run when they're really threatened or chasing something. Okay. And these are very short periods of time. And when these things are happening now, you might get a, you know, wildebeest that's, you know, migrating or something like that, but that's still they're They're walking. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how is it that a human can come track something like an antelope and track it all day long and the antelope loses when you've got an animal that's much faster and could beat us, you know, five times over in in a, in a foot race, but the human being who can last all day long because of that Achilles tendon and it's and it's physiology, the way it's set up as a bi as bipedal can keep up and just keep going and going and going and going where the antelope will tend to, to, you know, break down and won't be able to walk any further. Right. So there's that kind of paradoxical shift where it's like, Oh, okay. So we, we, we <laughs> look at running as an OCD thing. We're doing it to stay fit. We're doing it to, get, get, get our physiology better in line. Right. And so what we do is we forget all about the whole skill side of stuff. And if we were such skilled, uh, runners, then injury rates would not be what they were. We aren't skilled. We, we actually need to pay attention to those things. But yet when we see people who are kind of, uh, their their lives are revolve around being natural. So we take a look at a lot of the Kenyans, the Ethiopians. We we look at these African runners, where they're barefoot. They don't have much. The only means of transportation is walking. They start running at a very young age. Uh, um, they don't have much. Uh, they have one choice: pay attention to what Mother Nature is saying. Or you're going to get hurt, and so they pay attention to that for for the for the vast majority of it. Okay, so and and you know a lot of this is speculation, but the fact is, is if you do pay attention to things, your dog will stop running if it's not OCD, right? Yeah. If it continues to to keep going and going and going, it'll end up hurting itself. What about footwear? Do you think that footwear plays a role in that, and that it kind of deadens some of our senses in our feet, so we don't get that feedback if we're wearing our big clunkers? 100 percent and yeah 100 and i'm not going to sit here and tell anybody they need to go get out of their hookahs or whatever the hell they are um if their goal is to just run ultra marathons and 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 put on a moon boot it just to survive <laughs> you know go for it like you should do that just be prepared that you're probably developing some positional faults that are going to show up in everything you do because if you're running all the time and you're running poorly, you're setting up a, you're setting up patterns that are going to wreak havoc on your body and will inevitably end up catching you. Gotcha. So what shoes are you wearing right now? Uh, well, I'm not wearing shoes currently, um, but I, I, I work with, um, with strike movement. And, uh, we've been developing a lot of the stuff with them, um, which is, they, they've got some great trainers. 
They, uh, they also have, it, it's kind of a lifestyle shoe as well. Carl Pally and I both work with them. Um, you know, I, I think they've got great shoes, but the bottom line is, is if people are looking to get every shoe company makes low profile shoes at this point, they've typically, they've all made them. Okay. Forever. They just haven't sold them and they haven't had a market for it. So now that there's a market for it, everybody's selling them now. And, uh, you know, Typically, only the elite level runners would wear these things because they're lighter. They allow you to run mechanically more efficiently, um, you know, and you can't get away with as much. So the, the whole point is to actually not be in shoes as much as possible. Um, but when when running, you should be in something that is low profile and you can handle. If you can't handle a low profile shoe, you definitely should not be in a low profile shoe. But you should be striving and working to get there. Gotcha. So how about uh, paleo diet? How closely do you follow it? And do you put uh, the whole paleo lifestyle into practice? Or is this just a diet for you? Uh, no, I, I, I'm pretty close to uh, like the whole lifestyle. I, I, li- I live by the principles of paleo diet. I think I, I, I'm not really fond of kind of <laughs> the name paleo diet. I never have been. Um, which has kind of always been my aversion to getting more involved with the community versus I'm, I'm more of like a principles-based guy. Um, I, I love the principles of paleo, of paleo diet. Um, I consider myself a proponent of it. Um, I just don't necessarily like the name of it. Um, I, I don't know that I, I would say, I don't even know that three quarters of the movement even understands what it is they're doing. Um, I try to get my meat from places where, you know, people have actually hunted it or gotten it. I don't necessarily always get it like that. Um, uh, you know, I, we, we try to grow our own stuff as much as we can. Um, you know, we also, you know, e- everything we get is, I mean, like the only reason I'm eating so low carb is only because is because I stick to the principles of what the paleo diet actually is, is about. Um, you know, I try to diversify the hell out of everything we do, meaning trying not to eat the same things all the time. Gotcha. You know, Brian, I'd like to hear a little bit about your create uh, your creative process and what it's like for you writing a book. Um, you know, how do you do that? Are you carving out a couple hours every day, or what's your process? Um, well, currently, no. Um, what I do, I'll, I'll, I'll chunk out like half the day, um, and I just have to sit there and I I. I uh, I, I have to kind of get involved and look at other people's work and, or look at my past work and stuff like that and like start to really get um, immersed in it. And then w- the creativity starts to kind of come out on things. Um, you know, I, just thinking about how I would program something or do something or what, how I, how I see it so that everybody else can kind of see the way I'm seeing things. Um, you know, that, that, that becomes pretty difficult at times because <sighs> A lot will get lost in writing versus what you think or what you're saying, um, which is why a lot of people don't like to text message <laughs> um, because things get lost so well within that. So I, I would say my writing process is is not as detailed and, and, and oriented. Although I like to stay as creative as possible, and I like to get I, I like to be have things around me that actually motivate the hell out of me. Um, so I, I just look for, for motivation and inspiration from a lot of different sources and things and try and relate them to what it is, I, it is I'm actually writing about. 
Um, whether that be surfing or mountain biking or running or whatever it's, you know, or going long or doing a hundred mile run or whatever the fuck, you know, whatever it is, I try and bring that back to, okay, well, how, how can I relate that feeling and relate what's going on with that into what it is I want to write right now? Um, like somebody like TJ is probably <laughs> a much better, um, interview on that one though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have TJ on the show in a few weeks. You know, uh, before we go, I kind of wanted to hit on three feel and I wanted to hear more about how you came up with this. What, what was the precipice for formulating this? Um, we had been developing a product with SFH and, uh, it, we, it was primary. This is back when I was like, I, I was hell bent and, uh, convinced that we did not, not carb carbohydrates to survive as athletes um and so i went through that process of running myself into a wall um and you know we, we helped them develop a pretty they'd already had a pr pretty well-developed product um and then we were, tr we were we were helping them kind of ramp that up and we just kind of couldn't agree on a lot of things because we were kind of hitting some walls in training um so we just we, we just parted paths and um as when i when we when we did that i was presented with something from a friend of mine uh which is the thermocarb which is in three fuel um and he said <laughs> i still remember it like it was yesterday and this is like probably three or four years three and a half years ago uh and he was like hey i i know you don't like the carb thing hmm. if you can keep an open mind i have something i want to send you <laughs> And I was like, well, what is it? And he said, it's, it, it's a resistant starch. And um, so I, I, I kind of perked up a little bit and I was like, okay, explain more. And he gave me the information on it. I looked it up and, you know, so we, he sent out Thermocarb and uh, I actually started playing with Thermocarb and we, uh, I found out pretty quickly that that was, that, that was a big, big game changer. And so we started using Thermocarb alone. And then, and found out that we could last pretty long just on the thermocarb. Um, it was the upkick of it, though, that was was missing, and that's where we started playing with the um, medium chain fats and the protein and the really fast absorbing protein, so we could get the energy going. And you know, and I like to. I like to use MCTs as, as like a, uh, I, I like to use the analogy that MCTs or medium chain triglycerides are the diesel rocket fuel. It's not exactly sugar <laughs> because it's a fat, but it's not storable. So your body uses it immediately as an energy source. And so that's something that you can actually utilize and it actually helps the body burn fat. So using that in conjunction with the hydrolyzed uh, grass fed whey protein that we had and then mixing in the thermocarb, we, which became a pretty gnarly process because we had to figure out the right ratios. We had to figure out the right mixing because we didn't want the mixing to go bad. And, and, and it took quite a while. Um, and that's how we inevitably came up with it. Um, and it was trial and error, finding the best way to get to the current formula that we have. Um, but we, uh, we, we finally came up with it and, uh, we have, we have a, basically a fuel source and recovery product in one that literally can at last you. I mean, some people can last roughly five hours on this stuff on one serving, you know, others are more around the three and a half, maybe four hour mark. Um, but you know, it, it's, it, 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 it is, um, it, it, it's, it, it's the go-to fuel source and recovery product that I use. 
Nice. So that how, how did you said, come to that, that just, formulation of carbs, fats, and protein? We actually weren't going to sell though. this stuff. We actually were just coming up with it so that we could train with it. And could people uh, trial and error. It was just trial and error. It, it was like, okay, how many carbs do we need? How long do we want to last? How, how many? Car- well, here's the thing. You take so so the HDP waxy maze, which is the thermocarb, is literally if you it's an old school bodybuilder trick. Bodybuilders used to take this stuff right before they go to bed so that they wouldn't have to wake up in the middle of the night because it would create a glucose drip three hours after you take it. So that their bodies aren't catabolizing themselves versus having to wake up and eat something in the middle of the night because your body is actually catabolizing itself because you're so big and all that stuff. So, but what we found is remember it's a, it's, it's a, um, it, this, this carb acts like a fiber. So if you take too much of it, you're probably going to be losing it out the back end pretty quick. And that was where we started to back off of the intake of it. If people are interested in this, uh, you guys just came out with a new flavor, which is chocolate, and I've really been liking this flavor. Uh, go ahead and use my coupon code. It's 3F Olson, and I'll put that in the show notes as well, and you'll get 10% off. Brian, uh, one of the last questions that I like to ask people is what I've been calling the magic mile. And the question is this. If you had three months to train, you know, you didn't have to worry about work or paying your bills and stuff like that. Just to be an elite athlete, how fast do you think you could run one mile? Three months? Yeah. I could probably get just below five minutes. Five minutes. How about uh, 459? Yeah, yeah. I'd say 459. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Brian, where can people go to find out more about you? Are, where are you, are you most active online? Uh, Twitter. Twitter is my most active thing. Don't message me on Facebook. I don't <laughs> respond to Facebook. So I get, I get so many messages on there and I'm like, I just like, I open it and I'm like, there's like 200 messages. I can't, I'm not, I'm not even going to answer one of them. So uh, at any rate, uh, Twitter, I'm highly active. Um, if you don't have a Twitter account, set it up. I'm uh, my, my Twitter handle is at I am unscared. Awesome. Well, Brian, it's been great talking with you today. Thanks for sharing all that knowledge with us and thanks for being part of the show. Aaron, thanks, thanks again, man. Good talking with you. Thanks for listening to another Paleo Runner podcast. If you like podcasts, you're also going to like Audible.com. Audible has over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, or MP3 player. You can even burn a CD of the audiobook if you like. It's a great way to learn while you're driving in the car or cleaning up around the house. One of the great things about Audible is that if you decide that you don't like the book you've downloaded, you can actually exchange it for another one. They want you to be happy with your order. If you'd like to get a free audiobook download, sign up at audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. You'll get a free audiobook download that you can keep regardless of whether you continue with the service or not. So go to audibletrial.com slash paleorunner. Thanks for listening.